السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله النبي الكريم أما بعد عباد الله يقول الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه العزيز بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قد أفلح من تزكى وقال تعالى قد أفلح من زكاها وقد خاب من دساها صدق الله العلي العظيم إن شاء الله today we're going to continue كتاب الحكم and we are in حكمة number nine ابن تالا رحم الله سج لا ترحل من كون إلى كون فتكون كحمار الرحى يسير والذي ارتحل إليه هو الذي ارتحل عنه ولكن الحرل ولكن الحرل من الأكوان إلى المكون وأن إلى ربك المنتهى ابن تالا رحم الله سج travel not from creature to creature Otherwise, you will be like a donkey at the mill. Roundabout he turns, his goal as his, as his departure. Rather, go from, creatures, go from creatures to creator, and the final destination is unto one's Lord. Ibn Atallah here is continuing to discuss the journey of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On this journey of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes we tend to over-focus on certain routines or procedures so much that we forget the purpose of doing those things in the first place. Sometimes we tend to over-focus on certain routines and procedures so much that we forget the purpose of doing those things in the first place. We end up making those means and those procedures the end game. For example, Hopefully, everyone prays their five daily prayers. Hopefully, everyone prays their five daily prayers. And that's good. And that is what we are supposed to be doing. But the purpose of praying is what? The purpose of praying is to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have been praying for over a decade. For two decades. Did your prayers make your connection with Allah better or not? If it didn't, did you ever stop and assess why? Why is it? The purpose of prayer was not the prayer itself. The Prophet of Allah says the closest you can get to Allah is when you're in sujood. But did we ever feel that in that sujood that we were closer to Allah? So the purpose of prayer was not the up, down, as whatever elders he say, nowadays prayers is up, down, kiss the ground and goodbye. That's how we pray. But the purpose of prayer is to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now it's just a routine. I make my wudu, I pray my prayers. It's just a routine. I'm in a procedure of whatever I'm doing. It's just a routine. The purpose of prayer was to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today we were doing the tafsir of Surah Al-Ankabut. And we were on the 21st judge of Utlu Ma'uhiya Ilayk. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala near the end of this verse, He says, Wala dhikrullahi akbar. And the zikr of Allah is great, it's akbar, it's amazing. What is the meaning behind this verse? There are two translations for this. Either the word dhikr and Allah is mudaf or going towards mudaf ila maf'ul. What does that mean? That means you remembering Allah is akbar, is a great thing. If it's mudaf, this is the translation. You 
dhikr of Allah, you remembering Allah is akbar. It's great. But there's actually another translation you can do too. وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ ذِكْرُ يعني Allah is mudaf إِلَى الْفَاعِلِ What does that mean? Allah remembering you is a great thing. Allah is talking about you amongst the malaika. We will obviously do the zikr of Allah. But what's even better is if Allah is mentioning us. Allah tells the malaika, that servant of mine, I love him. So Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam says, okay, I love him too. Then he goes to the other malaika, Allah loves so and so. So he tells all the malaika, you need to love so and so too. Because Allah loves him. So Allah mentioning you is even a better thing. So the purpose of prayer was to get closer to Allah where Allah mentions you. Where Allah meant you mention the one whom you love. Nature, as human beings too. We talk about the one we love. If we love our, our kid, children, our friends, our wives, we talk about them. So if Allah loves someone, He mentions them too. So the purpose of prayer was not the prayer itself. The purpose of prayer was not the prayer itself. So have we ever taken out the time to, to assess the fact why that we have been praying for one decade, two decades, but yet we're still not closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? More than likely we haven't done this. Because for as long as we were praying those five times, the five daily prayers, that's, that's already a big deal, of course. Because nowadays, if anyone's even praying their five daily prayers, it's an amazing thing. We feel like we've already reached our goal. In our eyes, we've reached our goal. And that is, we have made the procedure or the means the goal. Meaning the goal was to pray. The goal was to pray our salah in congregation. But that is not the end goal. We have made the procedure the end goal. We have made salah, which is the procedure. Okay, we prayed, we've done our job. No, 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 no. The purpose of prayer was to bring you closer to Allah. So if your prayer is not bringing you closer to Allah, then you have not reached your end goal. So Ibn Atallah rahimallah, he says that if we make these things, if we make these things like prayer, etc., all that we focus on, we will be like a donkey that's going around a mill in circles with, actual, with no actual beginning or an end. Back in the days, why is he giving this example? Back in the days, they would attach a donkey or a horse to a mill and attach something in front of his eyes so that the donkey will keep he's trying to catch up he wants to catch it so they have some kind of paper or something in front of the donkey and the donkey goes around the mill the donkey goes around the mill and he's not attaining the goal so they attach something in front of the donkey so they can try to get it the donkey or the horse is trying to get it they would go into circles trying to get it and in the process they would be grinding the grain or powering the mill they didn't have electricity back then this is how they would do it. The donkey would go around and around and around and around trying to catch what's in front of him. And it may be burning a lot of calories, but he's not getting anywhere. He's not reaching the goal, it's just to get what's in front of him. Another example, and this a, a, a more a relevant example, or more example that, that we would understand a little bit better, is that a person, he said that he wants to go to a far distance. He's trying to get, make it to a far distance, but he's walking on a treadmill. He wants to go somewhere far, he wants to walk a far distance, he wants to reach a far destination, but he's walking on a treadmill. He's getting his steps in, no doubt. He's burning calories, no doubt. But he's not making any progress on getting to his destination. He's on the treadmill, but where he wants to walk to, he's not getting there. 
Then Ibn Atallah rahimahullah, he continued, he said, Wandar ila kawlihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faman kanat hijratuhu ila Allahi wa rasulihi, fa hijratuhu ila Allahi wa rasulihi, wa man kanat hijratuhu ila dunya yusibuha, wa imratin yatazawwajuha, fa hijratuhu ila ma hajara ilayhi, o kama qala alayhi salatu wa salam, o kama qala alayhi salatu wa salam. Fafham kawlahu alayhi salatu wa salam, wa ta'ammal hadha al-amr in kunta dha fahman wa salam. He mentions the second part of the hadith, the famous hadith, And the second part of the hadith is that he says, look at the statement of the Prophet Whoever's hijrah, migrating from Mecca to Medina, whoever's hijrah and migration is for the sake of Allah and His Messenger, then his hijrah and his migration is towards Allah and His Messenger, and whosoever is migrating for a worldly purpose, oh, that he wants to gain in Medina, he thinks financially it will be better for him to move to Medina, and that is the reason, that is an intention behind moving to Medina, or he's, in, he's not migrating migrating for the sake of migration, but he's migrating because he wants to marry someone there. The Prophet of Allah said, his migration will be in accordance to his intention. So understand his words of the Prophet ponder on this matter if you can. Let's go back and look at the hadith of Niyah in the Niyat and the second part of this hadith. The background of this hadith is that there's a very famous story of a companion of the Prophet of Allah Now generally, when something in a hadith is mentioned about a sahaba, that is not a good thing. It didn't make that sahaba look good. They won't mention the sahaba's name. Even though they know who the sahaba is. They know who the companion is. But they don't mention his name. They don't mention the name of the companion who migrated to Medina Minawara to marry someone. This companion was planning to migrate to Medina from Mecca to Medina, and this was at the time when the Prophet had told everyone that they must migrate to Medina. It is an obligation and fard upon every Muslim that they must leave Mecca and they must migrate to Medina Minawara because it is no longer possible to practice their deen and their religion in Mecca. So you have to leave Mecca. Migrating from a place where you grew up and lived, it's not easy. And this is why the migration of the companion to Medina is considered to be one of the most rewarding acts that they have ever done. As a matter of fact, the companions before migration will never be like the companions who, who accepted Islam after migration can never be like the companions who, accepted, who, who had accepted Islam before migration. There's just a different game to it. Like they accepted Islam when it was extremely difficult. In Medina Minora, it was still a little bit easier. So to extent the companions who migrated to Medina, they are known as Muhajirun radiallahu ta'ala They are known as the ones who have migrated. So we call them Muhajirun radiallahu ta'ala And the, the companions of Medina Minora, we call them the Ansar, the helpers of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu and the, the ones who migrated. This wasn't a normal moving or migration. People had to leave their belongings behind. Understand, understand the background of this hadith. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to point how amazing and grave and a, a task it was to even consider migration. They left everything behind. They left their homes behind. They left their families behind. And pretty much they left with nothing. They had to literally move to Medina Minawara and start their life all over again. So it's already such an amazing and rewarding thing to do. But there happened to be a companion 
who, who was also moving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was planning to do this. He wanted to give up everything for the sake of Allah. He wanted to move to Madinah Minora. He was already intending to do that. But on top of that intention, he added another intention. This, it's not even like the intention is bad. He already has the intention to move to Madinah Minora for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, there was a woman by the name of Umm Qais who he wanted to marry. But her condition was that if you, if you want to marry me, you have to move to Medina. So the companion radiallahu ta'ala, he said, you know what? Why don't I get two for the, piece, for the price of one? I'm going to move there, I'll get the reward of migration, and I'll also get to marry this woman. Right? Some brothers here, they're thinking about moving to Buffalo to get married too, because that is now the current Madaniya, as we know. But this Sahaba wanted to move to Madinah Minawara with the intention of giving up everything for the sake of Allah, but he also wanted to move to Madinah to marry the sister. So when this Sahabi migrated, the Prophet of Allah told him this hadith. Even though the Sahabi, he left everything, he left his home, he left his family, he, it's not even, he, he didn't even have a bad intention. But he was told that without proper intention, the hijrah is not worth much more. It's not worth much. It's not much. It's not worth much. The Sahabi focused on just getting the hijrah done. Okay, I just want to migrate. And he didn't even have a bad intention. He just had a dual intention. It's not like migrating to Medina to marry someone. It's, it's not a bad intention. He's just adding to his intention of doing it for the sake of Allah. But the Prophet of Allah then taught him in the entire Ummah It's not about just checking the box off and getting the job done If we focus too much on just getting it done We miss out on the main thing which is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Getting it done, okay we got our salah done We're done, you know we prayed our salah now we're free On the ulama There were was, was some youngsters and students they were going with their teacher and it was Salatul Isha time. So, you know, the, the student said, you know, Ustad, Ham jaldi se Isha ki namaz pad lete, phir ham Asha ka lenge. Asha, evening meal. So the student said, you know, we're going to quickly, let's quickly pray Salatul Isha and then have dinner. Let's just, Farag ho let's just get it done. Let's just get Salatul Isha done with. So that obligation is done. Ustad responded, he said, se khana haram se He said, let's quickly eat food and let's pray Isha in a comforting manner. We're not, right now, if we pray Isha first, we want to rush Salatul Isha so we can quickly eat dinner. No, 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 no. It's not about getting the job done and just checking off the box. Okay, I prayed Salatul Isha today. No, no, no. The purpose of the prayer is to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لا عمل أرجال he continues he said لا عمل أرجال القلوب من أمل من أمل يغيب عنك شهوده ويحتكر عندك وجوده he says no deed is more fruitful for the heart than the one you are not aware of and is deemed nothing according to you he wants to further explain his previous point ابن تالله رحم الله he says that the most powerful deed are the ones you do not actually think much of. The small things. If you look at the example of the prostitute, who was forgiven since she gave a thirsty dog water. She was sitting there. 
and the dog came. Kada yaktuluhu al-atash. Soon it, was, it seemed like this thirst was going to kill the dog. And a zani or a prostitute saw this dog. bagyan min bagaya bani Israel. From bani Israel, a prostitute saw this dog. Fanazat muqaha. She had the you know the the jug or whatever, and she had her um, what is it called the the, the bar of water you can say, and she opened the top for him. And she gave fasakatu She opened it, gave the dog water, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave her for this small action. In our minds, we compare establishing a connection with Allah the same way we, we compare establishing connections with each other. We have made something difficult, though it's not. When a person wants to impress another person, they often feel they can't do something simple. The bigger the person, the more they want to impress them with bigger things. They need to grab their attention. If, for example, if you want to impress a king or a, or a leader of a high position, they will, you will want to give them a huge gift. Just giving them a fruit basket won't be enough. Or when you want to get married, you feel like you need to give huge gifts, like a diamond ring. Just giving her a bouquet of flowers is not going to cut it. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is not the case with me. Why do we try to impress others? Because we want them to love us. That's why we're trying to impress them. We're going to buy her a nice diamond ring. We're going to buy her some nice clothes. We're going to buy her whatever she wants to impress her with hopes that she loves us. So we're trying to gain her love. We're trying to gain that leader's support and love where he cares about us. Allah says, Allahu amanu, Allah says, I already love you. You don't need to do anything to earn my attention. To gain my attention, you don't need to do anything. I'm already concentrating on you. I already love you. You don't need to do anything. Allah's not looking for something drastic and big. No, He says, I already love you. Allahu amanu. I'm your friend and I love you. Allah is saying this. So this is not the case with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not looking for something grand and big. He's looking for simple things. Show me how much you love me. And I'll end with this last hikmah inshallah. By Ibn Atallah rahimallah he says, لا تفرقك طاعته لأنها برزت منك وافرح بها لأنها برزت من الله إليك قل بفضل الله وبرحمته فبذلك فليفرحوا هو خير مما يجمعهم Let not obedience make you joyous because it comes from you but rather be joyous over it because it comes from Allah to you Say in the grace and the bounty of Allah and in His mercy. In that they should rejoice and be happy. It is better than that. It is better than that which they gather. The ability to do good, the ability to present yourself, the ability to speak well, the ability to lead salah, the ability to donate, the ability to do all of these good deeds, they all come from Allah. If we are blessed with tawfiq, what does tawfiq mean? Tawfiq means not just ability. Tawfiq means divine ability. Tawfiq means Allah gave you, you believe truly that Allah gave me the ability to do something. We cannot become arrogant as if we accomplish something ourselves. One of the worst forms of ungratefulness is to take full credit of something you did, even of something you did not do. One of the worst forms of ungratefulness is to take full credit of something you did not even fully do or do at all. Imagine, you work so hard 
with your sibling to clean the house before your parents got home. Your parents told you know, the, brother, the children, okay, I want you to clean the entire house. So you say, you know what? Okay, we got to work hard. We got to clean the whole house. And your sibling didn't help you at all. Your sibling didn't help you at all. Then the, when the parents come home, the other sibling takes all the credit. I did all of this work. He didn't do anything. How would you feel? Your parents come, they see the result of the house being clean, and that person who didn't even help takes full credit. We do not have the ability to do anything on our own. Tawfiq and divine ability is the bounty of Allah. It is His grace and favor upon us that He not only chose us to give us hidayah, but for the mercy, He chose us to act in accordance with, in accordance with what pleases Him. When we're sitting here right now, it's not us. It's not us. We didn't choose to sit here. Allah said, I wanted my servants. I chose my servants to sit here on a Thursday night when there's hundred thousand Muslims in Atlanta. But Allah says, I'm going to choose a few selected people to sit here. See, when I talk to my students and there's only three students sitting in front of me, I tell my students, I don't see three. I see 3,000. The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala when they left Makkah al-Makarramah or when they went to Hudaybiyah in the sixth year after Hijri, that means 19 years of the prophethood of the Prophet of Allah, the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa only 19 years. In 19 years, there's only 14 to 1500 Muslims. You think that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa saw 1400 Muslims? No. He knew every Sahaba was worthy of being a thousand people. So look, if we, if I tell you, that there's a gathering of a hundred thousand people and I tell you that look I'm going to select 15 of you to be my personal companions and I'm going to give each 15 of you a million dollars now when we see only 15 people we're gonna say we're not gonna say it's a few people you're gonna say wow I was selected out of a hundred K we're here through the bounty and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Nothing is from us. When we do good deeds, we are only able to do so because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us a tawfiq. So those who do good deeds do not benefit Allah in the least. Yet, we actually act like, Ya Allah, we did you a favor. During the time of the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, some people accepted Islam. Some better ones, they accepted Islam. And they came to the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as if they did him a favor. So Allah revealed to them, يَمُنُّونَ عَلَيْكَ أَنْ أَسْلَمُوا كُلَّا تَمُنُّوا عَلَيَّ إِسْلَامَكُمْ بَلِ اللَّهِ يَمُنُّونَ عَلَيْكُمْ أَنْ هَدَاكُمْ لِلْإِيمَانِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِكِينَ Oh Muhammad, these people are coming to you. And what are they saying? The newly converted Bedouins, they came to the Prophet of Allah sallallahu So Allah says, regarding their acceptance of Islam as a favor to you, tell them, O Muhammad, do not, your, do not regard your Islam as a favor to me. Rather, it is Allah who has done you a favor by guiding you to his faith, if indeed you are truthful. And I'll end with this, inshallah. Hazrat Shaqiq, Hazrat Shaqiq Balqi rahmatullahi alayhi, he says that there are six reasons why people do not get the tawfiq of getting, of doing, of making amal. There are six reasons why people do not get the divine ability of doing amal upon what they have learned. Number one, people are enjoying the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet they do not make shukr. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala snatches away the tawfiq to make amal. The poorest are also enjoying the bounties of Allah. These eyes that we have, the ears that we have, the brain, the hands, the legs, everything we have, they are all bounties, they are all very great bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So we're not thanking Allah for these bounties. So Allah says, okay, my, th my servant isn't thanking me for everything that I have given them. So I'm not going to allow them to do ibadah anymore. Number two. People are concerned about acquiring knowledge, but they are not concerned about making amal. People are concerned about, oh, I, I want to be knowledgeable. I just want to have the information so I can answer to people's, I can answer people's question. But it's not like we want the knowledge to actually do upon, amal upon. I can tell you the reward of tahajjud, but I don't want to get up for tahajjud myself. I, I'll tell you the reward is tahajjud. I've studied so many ahadiths. I could tell you the reward of tahajjud. But I don't actually want to do amal upon it. So people are acquiring knowledge just to present it to the masses without any intention of acting upon it. Number three. People stay in the company of Ahlullah, the friends of Allah, but they do not follow their teachings. We just want to tell other people, man, I was in that so-and-so's company. That famous scholar came, that religious scholar came, I sat with him. You just want to tell people that you sat with him. But you don't want to actually follow and what you're benefiting from him and that scholar. Number four, we commit sins but we do not make tawbah. We commit sins but we do not make tawbah. Number five, dunya is behind us but we are still chasing dunya. Dunya is behind us, yet we are still chasing it. The dunya is behind us, we're chasing it as if it's in front of us. We are not earning more money, we are earning more money for the sake of, 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 of for our dunya, to beautify our homes, to buy a brand new car. So we're chasing dunya which is behind us, and we're not chasing what is front, in front of us, and that is akhirah. Akhirah is in front of us, akhirah comes later. And dunya is behind us, yet we're chasing what's behind us and now what's in front of us. So we're chasing the dunya. And number six, akhirat is coming in front of us, yet we are turning away from it. We are drawing closer to our qabr every moment, yet we are behaving as if it does not exist and as if we are never going to die. The ability to practice will come. When a person observes the above advice, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst His righteous servants. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us and grant us the tawfiq to live our lives in accordance to the teachings of the Quran and the sunnah of our beloved Habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jazakumullahu khayran wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.